What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. I don't want to give up on her, but she's been gone a month. There's little hope she's lasted this long. Where are you going? To find my mother. I won't be long. So we invite you to come on down next week to 381 East Deerwood Drive, Jackson, Missouri, which is the Jackson Civic Center, and become a part of what God is doing here in Jackson, Missouri. But thank you so much for tuning online. Let me go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Trent Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. Thank you so much for tuning online this morning. Today we're going to be continuing our Star Wars series, and from the introduction you just saw, it is going to be entitled, The Rescue. And we're going to talk about where we get that title today as we continue taking a look into Abraham and his family and the life that they are building, we'll say, 
with God. Let me go ahead and read our key passage, then we'll pray and then we'll get started this morning. Key passage for this entire series comes from Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, and it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Let's pray this morning and we'll get started. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for those here, for those tuning online. I just pray right now, God, that right now you begin to speak your words through me, God, in the name of Jesus, across this microphone, that those tuning, wherever they're listening around the world, God, will be able to get the word you have for them this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And we are continuing our summer at the movies. This summer, we told you we're going to key in on Star Wars and the saga and how it compares to the life of Abraham. We're basically going to be taking a look at some similarities from the Star Wars saga to the Abraham and his family and his descendants as we go over the next several weeks in our summer at the movies. Last week, if you remember, and I'm not going to take too long introducing last week's message because I want to get into today's message. we got a lot of material to cover and I want to be able to get through it. But last week, if you remember, because it's going to build off of last week, we talked about towers that were continually popping up. We looked at the Tower of Babel and how they continued to build and God came down, confused their languages, ended the construction, and separated them across the world. And something I did not mention last week that I do believe happened on this particular day is we've got our different ethnic groups around the world. When God scattered man abroad, the climates and things are different around the world. And I believe that man adjusted to that over the years. And I believe... Then that is where not only we got the different languages, but the different ethnic groups and the things and the divisions and things that were happening across the world. We're going to be keying in today on Genesis chapter 13. And we're going to be taking a look to begin at verses 1 through 7. It says this, Then Abram went up from Egypt, and he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot went with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, and he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to a place to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai. So he's returning to a place where he had already pitched tent before, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. So the altar he created when he stopped in Bethel the first time, which we mentioned a little bit about last week. He's coming back to that. He's leaving Egypt. We kind of skipped over some things. Once again, this series is going to be a survey. We're doing a survey of the entire Bible over the next two to three years, however long it takes. We began it this year in January. So I encourage you, if you're enjoying going through the Bible, that you go back and read some of these stories that are happening in between because there's a lot of good stuff going on there. Let me go ahead and continue reading there, though. To the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And now the land was not able to support them 
and that they might dwell together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So what had happened is Abram and his family, since they had left Haran, had established wealth. And if you read the scriptures, you find part of that wealth came from Egypt through what had went on there. We're not going to go back and talk about that today. But he was a rich man. That's what it says there in verse 2. Abram was, he didn't just say rich. It said he was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. God had blessed him and his family because they were willing to follow his path and his will. So here's point number one if you're taking notes this morning. Is that God wants us to prosper. Now sometimes prosper looks a little different in different cases. It's not always a financial prosperity. Though I believe that if we are tithing, we are paying offerings to God, that God is going to bless us in that department as well. But he also wants you to prosper in spirit and in things that you accomplish in your everyday life. So understand this. I don't care what they told you. God wants you to prosper. Whatever that looks like. In your life, whether it be finances, whether it be with other people, building relationships, spiritually growing, however that prosperity looks, God wants us to prosper. So let's talk about Star Wars for just a second because we're doing summer of the movies, right? In episode two, we find that Anakin has been very successful as a Jedi in training or what they call a Padawan. He's been so successful, in fact, that when we see him in discussion with Obi-Wan, if you remember, close to the beginning of the movie while they were guarding Padme, we see him in discussion with Obi-Wan, we notice a sense of arrogance shining through. He knew he was a gifted young Padawan. He knew that he had those abilities within him, and through it, he has prospered as a Jedi. Let's take a look at Abram for a second. Abram has been blessed with abundance since he decided to follow God. He has been blessed in livestock. It listed all those things up there at the top. He was blessed in livestock. He was blessed in, verse 2 is where it said, wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. So it wasn't just livestock. He had silver. He had gold. In other words, he had money because he was willing to stay in God's will for his life. And God continued to bless him as he journeyed on this journey. Because here's what we got to remember. Here's what 3 John says. Chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Just as your soul prospers. Now, I knew some of you would probably take a look at that and say, well, that's not, that's out of context. You just can't say that. So that's why I wanted to go ahead and read verses 3 and 4 as well. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you just as you walked in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So, yes, you've heard the verse. God does want us to prosper. It says, I wish, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. What is that? All things. And he not just said all things. He said, and be in health just as your soul 
prosperous. But how do we accomplish that prosperity? By living in the truth. That's what he said as you continue reading there in verses 3 and 4. That his children, there was no greater joy than the fact that they were walking in the truth. What is the truth? The truth is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That is truth. He, he, he did not come so that we could be condemned, it goes on to say. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the truth. If you're walking on your scripture, you're walking on your text. That's the truth. You see, we got all these towers like we talked about last week. We're claiming they have a truth, a form of truth for you to follow, for you to look at. When right in the middle... I was discussing with one of my pastor friends yesterday when right in the middle of all that mess that's got your attention right now, God is right in the middle looking at you, waiting for you to follow the path that he has for your life. We are getting too distracted and all these other things going on in our world today and we're missing the fact that God is right here in the midst wanting us to do what we've been sent here to do, which is be witnesses and to testify of the truth. Well, what is truth? I just told you that. I'm not going to go back and say it again. Rewind the video. Continuing there in Genesis 13, verses 8 to 13, here's what it says. So Abram said to Lot, Please, let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, I will go to the right. And if you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, as in parentheses there, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So what has happened here before I make the second point and I, I'm Forgive me, I failed to mention this a minute ago because we read it in the first section. What is going on here is Abram and Lot's wealth, we'll say, livestock, men, herdsmen, people, have grown so large that they begin to fight over the land because there's not enough room for both of them to dwell in the same place. So they have been blessed with abundance. So what Abram does here is he tells Lot, we've got to separate. I don't want strife between us. You go your way, I'll go my way, and we will both prosper in the Lord. So then check out what happens, though. Here's what I want to, I'm going to go ahead and make point number two real quick, and we're going to talk about it. Point number two this morning is, beware the lust of the eyes. What happened with Lot here? What did it say with Lot here? It said there in verse 10, Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan. That it was well watered everywhere. It was before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like in the garden of the Lord. Like in the land of Egypt. As you go towards Zor. Then it says. 
says in verse 11, once he saw that, what we just read, that the land was flourishing, Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. Wow. One thing the commentary pointed out again, and I never noticed this until I started studying with the commentary, is that once again we see that direction east coming up. We're going to talk more about it in a second. Before we do that, let's go ahead and talk Star Wars for a second, right? When Obi-Wan and Anakin separate into suit on two separate missions, remember at one point, Anakin gets the job to guard Padme, so they go to Naboo, he's there or to guard Padme, and then Obi-Wan's going off to do an investigation on another planet to see what's going on over there, but they separate for two missions, but at that time, after that, we notice a, a Anakin, that Anakin begins showing signs of a lust for power. Well, what are you talking about? Well, Anakin's separated, right? And he likes Padme. They make it obvious in the movie. They even go as far as he loves Padme, right? That's one thing he does. He pursues Padme and he talks her into this deceptive relationship that they've become a part of. That is a lust for power to have what he wants. And also we notice he didn't stay on Naboo like he was supposed to stay on Naboo. Instead, he has a dream that his mother is in pain and he leaves where he's supposed to be and goes to his home planet where he was raised to find his mother. There's disobedience there because there is that lust that I can do something about it. I can change it. I have to go. I have to save my mom. So he forgets the present mission and begins going after something else. You see him escape on that rescue in the video you saw before we began. So here's what happens. Check this out. And this is why I mentioned East again. We mentioned it a little bit last week. We're going to continue to talk about it as we continue through scriptures. But check out. When the eastern boundary of Canaan is identified, it is typically the Jordan River. Thus it becomes clear that by moving to the vicinity of the cities of the plain, Lot has gone outside the land of Canaan, leaving it entirely to Abram. If you remember what God promised Abram is that he was going to give him the land of Canaan. So God's will was that Abram go to Canaan. What's now happening, Lot has been blessed because he's been under the anointing. Abraham's there. He's got that covering. He's been getting blessed as well. Then suddenly when Abram says we got to split up, he decides he's going to get out of that will and move on to something else. So he leaves that covering because they had to, right? But the land he chooses is outside of the promised land God promised Abram. So every movement, check this out, away from God thus far in Genesis has been designated as toward the east. We talked a little bit about it last week. When Adam and Eve left the garden, there was a guard placed at the east of the garden, assuming they went out that way. When men tried to repopulate the earth, they moved east. That's when we find the Tower of Babel. When Cain was banished, he went east. Now we have Lot choosing a land that looks pretty good to the eye, and he's headed east. So every move away from God in Genesis so far mentioned in the text, that's why they point these parallels out, has taken place. 
in the east. So he's getting out of God's will. He's getting out of the covering of the anointed one of God. And you're going to find out the mess he gets himself in in just a minute. First John 2, 15 to 17. Here's what it says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Hmm. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. That's scripture. What did it just tell us? Remember the three lusts it mentioned there in that passage? It says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. These things it said are not a part of the Father. So if you're looking around in your world today, and I'm looking out there, and I'm seeing all kinds of lust. All you have to do is look at the news, and you can see lust after lust after lust after things other than God. Man is out there doing their own thing. We're kind of like what is said in the book of Judges when everybody kind of did their own thing and just went after their own gods and their own thoughts, and they had their own ideas on what was right. When God is right in the middle of everything going on, he is waiting for his church to stand up and decide we are going to follow after the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Yahweh, Jehovah, whoever you call him. We are to be seeking after him and all these little towers and places that want to get your attention and want to get you to follow him. They are all distractions. Let me just say without listing any by name, Christians, you better wake up because the world around you is falling apart at the seams and the church is getting so caught up in the commotion that they've lost their way as well. Now, I'm not saying everybody. There are still those who will speak the truth. You can find their own videos on the internet too, but you're going to find that it's harder to find because man doesn't want you looking at that stuff. Woo, God's speaking. I feel the spirit this morning. Lord, God, have mercy. We're going to talk. When the world's looking like it does, First John just told us why. I'm going to read it one more time and we're going to move on. It says, do not, repeat, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not, emphasis on not, in him. We're going to stop there. I'm going to read the whole thing again. You go back and read it. It was 1 John 2. 15 to 17. You better wake up. You better start focusing on what we need to focus on, Christians. The world would love to send all these distractions that are going to get you off caught and missing out on the purpose God has for your life and what God is trying to do. But God is moving in the midst of all of what you're seeing around you. But you're going to miss it if you're so caught up in what's going on. Genesis 13, continuing there in verse 14 to 18. Here's what it says. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, or, and the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, sorry, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. So he's saying, Abraham, stand right where you're at, 
Look at all around you. Here's what he says. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. And then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees in Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the God. Point number three, and I kind of already hit this a minute ago, is God is waiting for us to take the first step. He's there. He's where he's always been. Those of you, and I spoke with a man on the street the other day. I was doing some ministry on the street. And I spoke with a man the other day who was so angry at God. How could there be a God? Why would all these bad things be happening in the world? And I began to tell him, though, we don't have all the answers, but I do know this. The word tells us, and I quoted for him, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I began to share the gospel with him. And whether his mind started cranking or not, I can't tell you offhand right now that he received God on the spot. But his wheels were turning. He was starting to think about what we were talking about because he let himself get co so caught up in what's going on. Christians, especially if you're a non-believer, well, we expect that from you. We hope that you will find the truth. But you need to understand something. God's waiting for you to take the first step. What's going on here? Here's what we know from Star Wars. Anakin was entrusted with his first mission as really or as really a first step to seeing how he'll handle it. So the Jedi give him this task of watching Padme just to see how he's going to handle that task is what's happened here. So he's been trusted with a task for the first time as a Padawan. Abram here has to decide if he's going to trust God on this journey by trusting in what he has provided for him. Now, it doesn't say, but I'm going to guess by the way they describe the land that Lot chose, it looked pretty good. And maybe when Abram turns around and he sees this land, and maybe it doesn't look so good. Maybe that's some of you. God's telling you to walk forward, take the first step. I got something for you out here, but you're going to have to trust me, and you're going to have to walk in this direction so that I can bless you, so that I can expand your territory, so that I can bless your borders, so that I can bless who you are and get you to your divine purpose that I have in your life. But it's going to take you taking the first step of faith to say, okay, this land over here don't look that great, but I'm just trusting you, God, that this is what you have for me. And here I go. And we start walking. Abram here has to decide if he's going to trust God. Do you trust, even though the land may not look so great right now? Do you trust God that he does have your best interests at heart? Do you trust God that he knows what's best for your life? Do you trust him on your journey that he's going to take you to a place where you may prosper? Becomes the question. For James chapter 1 verses 12 to 18. Here's what it says. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. But when he has been approved, he will receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Listen up. Verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. 
Verse 14 says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turn. Of his own will he, of his own will he brought forth or brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. What's this passage telling us? First of all, if you're tempted, you can't blame God. God doesn't tempt anyone. That's what the verse has said to us. But what did it say? Here's what's happening here. As you watch Lot, as he makes his decision, and he's tempted by the lust of the eyes, and he takes this land over here to the east. That's where he heads. Here's what happens is, it says, when you're tempted, it's not God. But then it also says, each one is tempted, and when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed, then, when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. We're getting ready to find out here in just a minute as we jump to chapter 14 that Lot's getting ready to get himself into a mess. He gets out of the covering of the anointed one of God and he heads east. Yes, they had to separate. But understand, Abram was still in God's will. Abram still had God's favor. Genesis 14, 8 to 12, here's what it says. And the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah and the king of Adma and the king of Zeboam and the king of Bela, that is Zor, went out and joined together in battle in the valley of Siddim against Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, Tadel, king of nations, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elasar. Four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. What happened? Where Lot ended up, he ends up getting captured, which is why we're calling this message the rescue. Now we're going to get to the rescue part. Point number four this morning is that our thoughts can lead us to captivity. Say, what? Remember, it was his idea to walk away. To go this way, to head east, to where he, oh, this land's flourishing. I'm going to go over here. It looks good. You can have that over there, Abram. It don't look as hot. I'm going to go this way. And remember, the flesh, the lust of the eyes captured his attention. He headed that way. Then we've got Lot who, because of his thoughts of this is where I want to go, this is where I'm going to prosper the most, I don't know what's going to become of Abram, but I'm going to be over here where it looks good, he gets captured because his thoughts led to his captivity. Because he thought, I'm going to go over here. Then Sodom, Gomorrah, and all these other kings get captured. They go to war one day, and it doesn't say how long it was between what happened when they separated, but I'm sure it was years before this happened. They go to war, and he gets captured. If we take a look at Star Wars for just a second, it was when Anakin began pursuing the lustful thoughts he had that he began his journey to the dark side. Matter of fact, in the video you just saw for the introduction this morning, 
Remember, he's angry. He's wanting to go find his mother. He's fell in love with Padme. At the end of episode two, they get married, which was forbidden because he was a Jedi. He goes out. He's going to find his mom. And you notice the dark new moon music. Come on, because now he's starting to get into these lusts and these thoughts. I can do it. I can make a difference. I can overcome. And he starts pushing. And he goes out and this begins his journey to the dark side. But check this out. Lot here in the text is reaping what he had sowed into. He decided I'm going this way. It was his decision. When he got there, he was probably thinking when he got captured, wish I had chose differently. Psalm 119, 9 through 11, here's what it says. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So how do you stay on the pure path? By following God's word, not your own. Stay in God's word. Follow what God has for you. Seek after God. Look for his commands. What is he telling you to do? That's how you stay out of captivity. And that's how you stay, um, Psalm tells us here, on the path of purity. Continuing there in verse 13 of Genesis 14, it says, Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eskel and brother of Aner, and they were allies with Abram. Now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan, he divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. Abram does something about it. Here's the important point, point number five. Getting close to wrap up here this morning. Point number five. The only way to fight is with God. When we do like Anakin did in the video we saw at the beginning, we jump out here on our emotions and we decide to think we can handle things better ourselves and we go for it, we're getting out of God's will. Anakin ran off and tried to handle a problem himself instead of sticking to the plan and his training, which says you obey your master. Then he was having a hard time understanding why he was facing these temptations when he was supposed to be a Jedi. We didn't put it up here. I ended up clipping it out because the intro got too long. But you remember, if you've seen the movie, there's a scene after he kills all the sand people where he's standing in a room with Padme. Padme's asking him, what's wrong? Anakin says, I killed him. I killed them all. The women, the children, the men, I killed them all. They're animals. I slaughtered them like animals. Sound familiar? And then he has a question. He's got this question of, how can I be given into these things? I'm supposed to be a Jedi, right? Christians, you're going to find yourself caught up if you don't wake up. And wherever you're sitting, I hope it's in God's will and God's favor. Because if you start following all these worldly towers that are continually popping up, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be thinking like Anakin here, how did I get here? I'm supposed to be a Christian. Wake up. Abram is successful. 
successful in this reign. Why? Because he has been walking with God and has found favor in his sight since God called him at, remember, 75 years old. Abram's been walking in God's favor and his will for his life. 1 Peter 3, 8 to 12 is what it says. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. What did he just say? You mean when somebody does me wrong, I'm supposed to bless them? That's what he said. Repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You've got to guard yourself, Christians. Peter said there, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another. Don't repay evil for evil. Instead, repay evil with a blessing. What? That's tough. Are you serious? Because what did he say? Verse 10. I'm getting ready to move on. We got one more point and we're done for the day. Whoever, verse 10, for whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes, what did he say? Verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on who? Not all these people making noise in the streets. Not all the distractions we've got going on in the world. Not all these people who, we're not going to go there. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face, check this out. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I don't know how you can make that any clearer. This is what the text is telling us here. Genesis 14, last section, we're getting ready to wrap up. 18 to 24. Then Mechazedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest, and he was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe. Of all. First time you see tithing mentioned in scripture. Mechazelech's this king, who they're believing ruled over this whole region of kings, and he was kind of in charge. And Abram, out of respect for the man's title, paid tithes to Mechazelech. Now, they're not sure if Mechazelech was actually worshiping Yahweh or Jehovah, 
or of some other god or gods. But what they do tell us is that he was a ruler and out of respect, Abram paid tithe to him. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord. In other words, I promised God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap. And then I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. Except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me. Anner, Eskel, and Mamre. Let them take their portion. Remember up top it was talking about men gathering his 318 servants that he'd been raised in his house to go to war. Well, what they're believing is that these other three names that are listed here were friends of Abram and they went with him in pursuit of Lot and the things that had been taken away. And so they go in pursuit. They're victorious. Now Abram's saying as the king here is offering him the goods, he just wants his people back. Abram says, I'm not taking anything because I'm not going to take anything that's going to give you an excuse to say that you made me rich when it was God who's going to make me rich. He believed that. Abram believed that. But what he said was, give the portion of food that they had given to their men and give these other three guys, let them have their portion if they want it. But I'm not taking anything. He said, I promise God I'm not going to take anything lest any man basically say that God or say that they made Abram rich or that they made us rich, if you want to look in today's world, we're to give God the glory. Here we go. Point six, and we're getting ready to wrap up. When God blesses us, he alone should get the glory. If you're finding yourself glorying yourself, you're out of line. That's what scripture says. God gets the glory. We're going to read the scripture. We'll back it up here in a minute. Anakin, as we get ready to wrap up the Star Wars portion. Anakin began flipping into this mentality that Obi-Wan's training was holding him back. Remember, before they left, before he took Padme and was guarding her, he basically was getting angry, saying that he was ahead of Obi-Wan and that he was holding him back. That's the lust of the flesh. That's that lust for power that we're talking about. The lust to get on top, whatever means necessary. And that he was actually ahead of his master, what I just said. So he's saying, remember, he got mad. He was talking to Padme. He's holding me back. And really, in some ways, I'm ahead of this guy. But he's holding me back. And he was so mad, he threw something, remember? We can't get caught up in that. That's the verses we read before. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Talked about pride a little last week. We're not going there. The tower was taken away, though. Building stopped. So what's the verse, Pastor, that you're going to back up what you just said? Here it is. Are you ready? One of the top ten. God's ten commandments. Exodus 20, 4 through 6. Here's what it says. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. It doesn't stop with you. When you if you're the one starting this hate, 
It's going to the third and fourth generation. God will punish them. But showing love, here it is, showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. But I thought Jesus got us out of that stuff. No. Jesus said he didn't come to change anything. He wasn't going to add anything. He came to fulfill the law. That's what Jesus said. He gives us the option of salvation when we receive him. We can be forgiven. Not saying we're going to live perfect. God gives those commands for a reason. If you want to go ahead and read all of Exodus 20, you'll find the top 10 that God gives us. There's a reason those top 10 are there. I got to stop. If you've been tuning online, I'll go ahead and dismiss you this morning. Thank you so much for tuning. Maybe you're sitting there looking at me and you're looking at the chaos of the world around you and the things. And you've got all these people and places and groups trying to tell you who to follow and where you should go. And God is right in the middle. And maybe he has spoken to you this morning and let you know, hey, I'm here too. I know you got all these distractions going on around you that are wanting you to look at them, but I'm here too. I need you to focus on me so that I can change your life. That's you this morning. You want to receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That is where the journey begins. You have to be saved. You just simply ask. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. Good news for you this morning. If you prayed that prayer, you meant it from the bottom of your heart. Welcome to the kingdom of the family of God. Your next step, you need to find you a good church home, and you need to be baptized to follow in Jesus' footsteps. I want to ask you to do one more thing, though, if you're tuning online right before we close. That is go to nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. On the upper left corner, click on the menu button. Go all the way to the right side of the drop box. Click on the link that says the road to new life. When you click on that, it's going to take you to a separate website that I created in college that will walk you through the plan of salvation, the verses involved with it. Not all the verses, but some of the verses involved with salvation. And will explain to you what God's redemption plan was and why you need to receive it in order to be saved. You get to the bottom of that form. There's a prayer similar to the one that I prayed this morning. If you don't know how to pray, maybe you were questioning and you wanted to see more evidence first. So you can do that. But if you get to the very bottom, there's a contact form. That comes directly to my email, trentcruz at yahoo.com. Go ahead and send me a contact form. I want to know that you received Christ this morning. I thank you so much. For listening and tuning in online this morning. I know we went a little longer than usual, but God had some points that needed to be made here this morning, and I'm thankful that he did. Next week, we'll be continuing the Star Wars saga, or the Star Wars series that we began a couple of weeks ago, and we'll be talking about a whole new topic. God bless. We'll see you next week.